what, what did you think of it all? What did you think? I've seen it five or six times now and uh, it still gives me goosebumps. Um, before we start, can, I, can we just give another round of applause to Roderick for, for making this movie? Thank you. Um, my name's Afi Bhatti, and um, before I start, I'd just like to uh, acknowledge the Wajuk people of the Nungar Nation and um, acknowledge their, um, let's say, their traditional owners of this land and acknowledge their elders past, present, and emerging. Um, I'm a Muslim born um, in, in England and um, born to Pakistani parents, and um, I've been living here for about 19 years, so when the cricket's on, I get really confused. Um, but um, I, um, I, uh, this, this movie means a lot to me, um, and it quietly highlights that minorities, Muslim Sikhs, Hindus, um, as well as obviously the indigenous um, you know, people of this land, have been in Australia for a long time, you know, and some of these minorities have been here for 150 years, and integrated you know, back, back then with the, the traditional owners of this land, and, um, as well as other Australians. It shows that these communities made significant contributions um, enabling critical infrastructure to be developed and brought, that brought major economic um, change and um, as well as social benefits to this country as well. Um, I feel writer and, and director Roderick has honored these communities by you know, weaving um, these important but forgotten um, histories of, of the Cameliers as a central theme. And for that, I, I thank him. Um, I, I also helped to raise um, some investment into this movie for, for, for those reasons because this, this story was, it was important to me and these hidden stories uh, need to be told. Um, and I'd like to just invite the other panel members on um, and um, introduce themselves before we get cracking on the questions. So Roderick, Gary, Harjit, please, please come up. Come on, Rosie. Come on, join us. <laughs> All right. Well, I might start with you, Roderick. Can you um, can you introduce yourself, mate? Absolutely. I feel like I've, I've already been introduced a few times, but um, here it goes again. Uh, I'm Roderick Mackay. I'm the, the writer, director, and one of the executive producers on, on The Furnace. I'm a Perth born and bred, despite any slight English sort of tone in my accent that I could be accused of. Um, and uh, yeah, this film sort of has been the last six years of my, my life. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, devoted those six years to this project for all the reasons that Afi has very articulately um, just just taken us through. That this is um, important history um, uh, that needed to have a, a spotlight shone on it. And it always struck me as a huge um, historic omission that it wasn't more more widely known. And then I guess uh, self-interested, self-interestedly, it sort of always seemed like very uh, rich terrain for a story and it always felt inherently cinematic so as a, as a filmmaker I was really excited by um, delving into that world on, on that level so um, so here we are Thank you. and, and I, I will just mention as well my profuse apologies for how dark um, some of the nighttime scenes were just then it, it feels like we were um, 
all sitting in a room listening to an audio book for um, a, a while there. Um, but they're, they're, yeah, the nighttime scenes are not meant to be that dark. So when it does come out on DVD and Blu-ray uh, at the end of this month, um, I highly encourage you to um, check it out again um, and uh, see the other quarter of the film that we sort of didn't quite um, glimpse. Thank you, Rodrick. Uh, Gary, what about you? Yeah, no, my name is Gary Bonney and I'm an associate producer. I came on board, um, met Roderick in Fremantle. Um, I'm originally from the Goldfields, so um, when Roderick told me about the story, uh, I, I sort of known a fair bit about it, so it was pretty easy for me to come on board. Um, and yeah, it was a, an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I, I guess... The thing is, we, we've grown up with knowing all the stories about the Cameleers and, and not really knowing it from a research perspective, but just from stories that families have told us. So, um, no, we, we're pretty proud of what we came up with and, yeah, we just hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, Gary. Rosie, how about you? Um, my name's Rosie Satoris. <coughs> I'm the coordinator at the Bondiera Itawonga Language Centre in Geraldton. Um, and I first met Roderick, I think it was back in 2018, um, at Kitchbarren Leaderville. Um, I just remembered that while I was sitting here and I was like, oh, I remember where we met. Um, and we started talking about the film um, with Roderick's lovely wife, Tessa, as well as over there. Hi. <laughs> um, and it just seemed like such an immense... Um, undertaking um, to do a film like this and like you say Carrie these um, stories they, they, they're in all of our families and um, I, should, I should clarify that I'm not Aboriginal I often appear that way and I work in that space but my family um, I'm Dutch and Indonesian heritage and, and my dad um, who is Indonesian has stories of um, our family working on boats and coming down to Australia that have been passed down through the generations. And so those stories are really um, common, you know, around this whole region. And I think it's really important that when we're talking about invisible history, I talk a lot about invisible history at the Language Centre, um, you know, that these kinds of films illuminate that kind of history. Um, and despite the fact that I'm here <laughs> almost I feel like talking on behalf of the community, which I would never, ever seek to do. Um, you know, it, it is an immense privilege to be an advocate and, and stand alongside the community. Some of whom you'll see, you'll probably see Godfrey Simpson um, in a film. We've got a couple of little bits that he pre-recorded. He's up north at the moment in the nice warm temperatures. It's so cold in here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and so you'll see some stuff from him. Um, and I also just briefly, before I stop talking, um, wanted to acknowledge uh, Mr Ollie George, who, if you saw the end of the credits, was so kindly acknowledged by Roderick and the filmmakers um, for the language documentation work he did, and his family, who I spoke to about this, this presentation, and they're like, well, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, Roderick. Sorry for that <laughs> essay. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Hajit, can you start? Yeah, good guys. My name is Hajit Singh. Um, or as my mum calls me, Hajit um, Singh. And uh, I'll, I'll explain why I said that a little bit later, hopefully when, when we get to that um, part of this panel. But um, I'm, I'm the primary seat consultant on this film, and um, that all kicked off just down the road here at uh, Guzman and Gomez, where... Um, it's all food-based. Where else do you meet collaborations? Where else do you meet random people who want to try to get you involved in you know, turbans and things like that? And so um, Roddy, Roddy said uh, he wants to make this film and said, um, you know, he wants to put some turbans in 
people represent people. Um, I've spent 10 years, or my last 10 years, trying to uh, get people to buy into an idea, which is turbines are just as Australian um, as in the Cobra. And um, so Roderick made a pledge to me, he said, no, we'll make it authentic, you know, we'll make it solid. And I said, well, white fella saying yeah, he's going to make it authentic. <laughs> um, highly doubt it. Um, and so I gave him a challenge and I said, well, do you know turbines are actually tied? Uh, they're not hats. Um, and so when, we, when we're going to do this, uh, I want people to tie the turbines um, on set. And true to his word, Roddy, Roddy did that. He flew three turbine tyres out <laughs> to the middle of the desert. Um, well, probably not the full desert, but Mount Magnet. And, um, and they actually tied every single turbine. So uh, uh, that might not mean a lot to people out there, but from my perspective, it brings a little tear to my eye every time because there, there's authenticity. And, and that's, that's, for me, was, was mind-boggling. Thank you, Harjit. All right, I might get cracking with some questions. So my first question is going to go to you, Gary. Uh, you know it's coming. Um, from the red dirt to the red carpet. Tell us about um, you know, how it felt like to get to the prestigious Venice Film Festival. And did you meet anyone more famous than Roderick? <laughs> that's not hard. <laughs> um, yeah, so last year, uh, the furnace was uh, entered into the, um, accepted into the Venice International Film Festival. And um, we were lucky enough to go across there um, to Venice and... Um, during yeah, the global yeah, pandemic. Well, yeah, during the global pandemic. So uh, the, the airport was a bit eerie. Like there was no, there was no people um, in the airport. So that was, like everything was closed up. The shops were all closed up. And um, that was, yeah, it was really uh, spun out. But um, when we got to Venice, um, like on the, with the red carpet, it was all, mask and um, we all had the you know kind of coordinated times and stuff to go in um, and it was a bit of a bizarre experience because yeah I've never been in you know obviously never been on a red carpet or anything before um, and I was joking to family and stuff back home and saying oh you know we're going from the red dirt to the red carpet to the <laughs> and they had a good laugh at that but um, yeah I, I guess um, it was a crazy experience just having like massive television cameras just come straight up to you and then you know and then sort of follow you in and all that sort of stuff so that was pretty wild but um in the end i guess uh you, you, got, pretty, you got used to yeah, it yeah after a while yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> so it's just like the first thing is just trying to settle the nerves and after that it was um it was fine but um yeah we were standing up next to uh, uh blanchett and matt Dillon from uh, from the u.s and, you know, we couldn't really see anything because we had our masks on, but, um, you know, we just sort of gave it away and she took her thing off and started waving at us. So. Did yeah. you wear a hat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. There's actually yeah. a photo and a video footage of me and Roderick standing behind Kate Blanchett in the, in the television over there. <laughs> so that was pretty wild. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Roderick, next question's for you. Um, Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white boy, uh, why, why did you care about making a movie like this? Oh, sorry, can you hear me now? Um, I, I was saying, uh, Roderick, um, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, um, white boy, why, why did you care about making a movie like this? Um, oh, look, uh, I, I guess I, I've, I've grown up in Australia my, my whole life, and um, 
I, I even as a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy, haven't always felt in sync with the kind of, you know, um, conventional prevailing ideas of, of what it is to be Australian. And I, in my own, like, very minute kind of way, have, have sort of grappled with that. And so um, I think about how that experience must be for people that don't, don't look like me. Um, and uh, it, it obviously is uh, immensely amplified. And so um, I guess... It, it then leads me to talk about how I stumbled upon this history, which I was actually researching another, um, you know, for another story set in the gold rush, which I thought was a pretty fertile terrain historically for, um, for stories. And it, I wasn't actually looking for history on the Cameleers because, of course, I'd never heard about it before. I just didn't, had no idea. It wasn't taught in high school or university. And um, it was in uh, a book by Emeritus Professor of History, Geoffrey Bolton, who, uh, you know, bless him, had, a, had a actually given acknowledgement to these men. And I sort of turned the page and there was this, this fellow in traditional garb, flanked by camels, but in the otherwise very um, familiar, somewhat tired, colonial outback sort of setting. And I just had no idea what I was looking at. Um, but I was instantly very excited by this, this image because it was just so fresh and, and striking and, and, um, and unique. And then upon researching uh, deeper into you know, who this fellow was and, and how many uh, there were um, in Australia at the peak of the Cameleers sort of population. And not only that, but the role that they played in, in uh, nation building and, of course, the special relationship that they shared with uh, our First Nations peoples. You know, that's sort of when uh, my, my, my brain just sort of broke that I hadn't, hadn't heard of this. So, I mean, it was really just that, that, um, that, that, that sense of a huge historic omission that needed to be corrected um, and also just being incredibly excited about delving into this little known world and, and using it as a bit of an experience for, for me uh, to go on a, a journey of discovery personally. Um, and I mean, my dad's worked in Iran, he's lived in Iran. Um, you know, we had um, an Iranian uh, woman, Fazaneh, living with us for months uh, when I was, you know, quite young and my folks um, have worked in Southeast Asia extensively. and. So I, I've sort of brushed up against that, that world, just, just enough, I guess, to kind of have that other um, layer of empathy, I, I guess. That, so when I did stumble upon this, it really did, did resonate. Yeah. Thank you, Roderick. Um, Rosie, I've got a question for you. Um, so the movie featured the Badamaya language, and I understand that the last um, true speaker of this language passed away. You mentioned him before, um, before production actually started. Um, I know that uh, yourself and Godfrey played a role um, with uh, uh, this language in, in helping the actors learn this uh, language, um, this, I guess, to some extent, extinct language. Um, and, and I guess, Roderick, you've, you've to helped to then preserve that forever on film. Um, Rosie, tell us, why is it important to preserve indigenous language? How long have you got? Um, <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> right, I'll put the timer on. Um, gosh, where to start with that? Um, so I worked with Mr. George. Um, that's how I'll refer to him, out of respect. Um, for Since I, I started working with him back in 2012, um, when I was but a young student studying at uni and just, you know, you nothing was an absolute blow-in. 
Um, and he was so giving of his knowledge. And I was kind of like, how can someone who's, you know, lived an incredibly diverse and difficult life, he was a stockman for many years, he then raised his six children um, and was also, you know, one of the last carriers of his language. Um, how can someone like that who, you know, the world really owes a win be so giving and generous with someone who, like me who's like, I've just come up from uni and I don't know anything about this language. Please tell me the word for you. Um, and that kind of generosity of both spirit and knowledge um, really resonated with me and with other people, I think, who ever interacted with this old man. Um, you know, you meet those few people in your life who really make... Um, an impact on you and an impact on the world around them, and you can see that. And he was one of those people. Um, and I, once I heard about the film, I thought there's no better language than this, than this particular Buddy My language. Actually, there was a Buddy My man up here on this stage last night. I was here, um, and I was like, oh, how cool, you know, Buddy My taken over the museum. <laughs> um, and because he, this, this old man, he'd always talked about, you know, wanting to share his language with the world. You know, oh, come on, we'll. I said, someone wants to put your language in a, um, a place over in New York. Where's, where's New York, you know? Oh, oh, it's overseas. Oh, all right, a bit far away. No, I'll let him put it there. That, that sounds really good, you know? Yeah, all right, let's put it there. And so I think it was really fitting. And I can hear Godfrey talking. I'll, I'll let him talk in a sec. <laughs> I think it was really fitting that this is the language that was shared. Godfrey, I'm talking. <laughs> um, so this is Godfrey Simpson. Um, so Godfrey is a buddy my Wadadi man. So that's languages of the Murchison region of WA, um, and he's really the star of the show. Like he was the one who did all the training with everybody, um, and coached, and you know sought guidance from his elders, and made sure he was doing the right thing. He led the consultation with the community, um, and Godfrey's only what 45 or something like that, and he is you know he's a leader amongst men, and I think you know you fellas know as well. He's mm. just like an incredible person yeah. and he was a real, um, I think he was a real like link between the old man and, and you know, and this process mm. um, and both he and I went and saw the film when it, we had the preview and we both felt that that old man was there, um, you know, seeing this film. I didn't ask you a question at all, but <laughs> what I will say is that um, when we went to the viewing in Mount Magnet, um, there were so many kids there, and there was so many family there, and we were sitting near these old ladies who, you know, they know this language. We call it sleeping. We don't want to use, you know, harsh language like, you know, extinct or dead, but a lot of people use that, and that's what happens. But sleeping, now you've all learned something else. Um, you know, we call languages sleeping because they are just at rest, and they will come back, and they are coming back, and they're on that screen. Um, and they've these been, old ladies... have heard in Venice now, on Lido, oh, yeah. Lido Island. Oh, yeah, there's Italians like, oh, buddy, ma. And these old ladies are sitting there, and Trevor Jefferson got up. You know, he's a very imposing mm, yeah. fellow, you know? And he said something, and I just heard one of these ladies go, <laughs> like, real loud kind of cackle, you know? And afterwards, I said, what did, why, why were you laughing? And she just said, I just couldn't believe that I was hearing this fella talking my language on that screen. Mm. And I was like, that's it, you know, I don't need no, to say anything else. <laughs> it was, yeah. Anyway, if we have time to listen to Godfrey, I don't know, he's gone now. He's, he's very Godfrey, he goes up and down. But, um, he talks, I, I, you don't need to talk to me He talks really lovingly about this process for him and like how... No disrespect to any other Australian languages that have been put in, uh, in Australian movies, but... I think it's just the, the actors and 
themselves. I think they did a good job. As both Black Trubari Ma men and and Kamioli would be proud. We, we would be so proud to hear these young strangers talk in these language. I'm all about showcasing my language and culture, but to have it have it um, given to the world in such a format um, is awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Godfrey, and thank you, Rosie. Thank you. Hajit, <laughs> um, one for you, mate. Um, so you had a really hands-on role with this movie, scripting and styling and turbans, as you uh, gave some insight into earlier, um, as well as the names of some of the characters. Now, one of my favourite characters in this movie uh, is was Junda, and it broke my heart. Um, you know, and I've seen the movie five, six times, and it broke my heart sort of about what happened to him. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about how Junda's name was picked and what it means, uh, what, what the name means, and a little bit about the real life Junda? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So Junda, um, and that's where the main thing came from, was um, they, in the film they call him Junda, you know? And that's just Aussies butchering names because that's what we do. <laughs> my, my bad. Right? <laughs> I was coming back to the original point, which is I'm, you know, I'm known as Hajit, and my name isn't Hajit, it's actually Hajib. But, you know, Aussies butchered it so much that I call myself Hajit. Um, it's crazy, right? Anyway, so Junda is actually Janda. Janda is, is, is flag or flag bearer, right? Uh, as a person, it's just flag. And um, it's a flag bearer. And uh, I gave a bunch of names to, to Roderick because he had all these characters. And he had all these names which are really just, you know, names that have appeared in the last 10, 20 years. And I said, nah, let's try to get something back in the day. And so I gave him all these names and he chose gender. And I was like, that's incredible. Um, and when I started reading the script, um, you know, it was, once again, it was quite uh, moving because gender was a real life camelia. He had um, uh, the largest camel train um, or camel cart in, in Australia at the time. It, um, pulled, it, pulled, it was pulled by 18 camels. It was essentially a semi-trailer. <laughs> Um, and, and, and this camel cart exists, so if you want to go see it, it's real, I'm not just making this stuff up for you, um, you can go to Waluna, um, and this cart is there, um, which is just past Mekathara. And so he was here from the 1890s to the 1920s, and he operated this camel cart, and unfortunately when, the, when cars started appearing on the road, there was no need for camels. Um, and so, you know, these camels that have basically pulled generations and opened up the outback to, to the movement of modern, you know, transport um, were no longer needed. And, and Jando was actually found with a shotgun in his mouth. Um, he'd cut all his camels um, and let them go. And so what it, it was, I mean, the, the reality is a really sad story. And for me to see Jando, you know, and his legacy live on in such a, in a positive way, um, rather than the negative way that we see, you know, things like suicide, um, was just mm. very moving. And and for that, you know, I, I thank someone like a champion storyteller, no, which well, Roderick you, really is. You 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 led the horse to water, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, one of many very serendipitous moments that we did have over the course of the shoot, I think. Um, that uh, coincidence um, of choosing the name Janda and what it meant without knowing, yeah. Thank you, Harjeet, thank you. Um, just on visuals, now I've been to the Pilbara, I've lived in the Pilbara um, for a number of years um, in the past, 
and I know how many flies you know there can be over there. I don't know if you were able to see uh, Jay Ryan towards the end, you know, in one of the last scenes, but he had a ton of flies in his eyes. Roderick, question for you, mate: Were they real or was that CGI? <laughs> Gonna be real. You, you must think this film had a really big budget if we have a CGI <laughs> fly department. Um, <laughs> No, I can assure you they are very much real, and so Jay Ryan does deserve all the credit for just taking all of those flies in, right in the eye. Um, but there, there was a bit of an unspoken competition among the cast um, for who could sort of, you know, just endure the most flies and just, just drink it in and just, you know, throw it back out as performance. Um, and uh, I, I think Jay won. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, but I mean, it, it genuinely does make um, that, that moment more impactful, um, that he's just this man possessed, um, sort of staring into the eyes of this stranger and looking for answers after his son's been killed and not finding them. Um, and um, yeah, the flies really, really do, do add to it. So um, that was definitely one of the instances where we weren't cursing the, the flies over the course of the six-week shoot out there. <laughs> at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Roderick. Um, Gary, question for you. So you're, you're also a teacher, and uh, I, I know that a school study guide has been developed. Um, my question to you is, do you think hidden histories like these ones that you know, Roderick's written and, and, and produced should be incorporated into our national curriculum? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely, for sure. <laughs> um, I guess it's, uh, you know, just... It touches on topics like um, Australia's national identity and who is who and who comes from where and you know what it means to be Australian. So, absolutely. Um, I always, you know, we, we, we always teach our kids like our history. You know, it's been passed on from me, from my parents. Um, and working in schools, I know there's a, there's a big um, yearning for more knowledge about who we are and where we're from and, you know, all the people who make up our country, um, but yeah, we we just um, it's it it makes things a bit more clearer, I guess. Um, you know, no one, no one, uh, the true part of our history, because um, you know where I work, we always start with you know the history in general, but we always start with Aboriginal perspectives, and um, and then it flows on from there. But um, it's really important because our kids. Uh, like our identity is attached to our land and, and our language and you know, telling, telling our history and then telling uh, the stories of everyone who came after is, um, it just builds a bigger picture of Australia as a whole. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, Thank it's you, important. Um, Roderick, this one's for you. Um, so this movie clearly shows you know, those hidden histories that we, we, we've mentioned um, from obviously very different perspectives. Uh, many of the audience won't know that um, the movie's IMD page, IMDb page was attacked by trolls. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this and, um, and, uh, and what happened? Um, yeah. I, and why I happened? guess it's, it's, um, it's not really all too much to say. Or, or I guess it's not one of those things that's really worth dwelling on um, too much in that, yeah, it, we, we did get sort of um, uh, an onslaught of, of very low scores, um, Within an impossible amount of time, so it was a it was a you know a bot system. Um, it was clearly nefarious, um, and we did end up putting the case forward to IMDb and getting them to uh, correct it. But I, I guess it just speaks to 
uh, how much this film or any, you know, um, illuminating of this kind of stuff does just challenge the conventional idea of, of how Australia was formed and, and by who. Um, and, uh, you know, if anything, it means we're getting somewhere. It means we're stirring the pot that we, you know, kind of elicit that response out of those people. So you kind of wear it as a little bit of a, a badge of, of honour. But, um, uh, I mean, it, 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 mentioning this draws to mind um, an amazing experience that we, we had. And this is a little bit of a segue, but it's sort of related. Um, we had a Q&A screening when the film uh, released. Uh, it was in Melbourne, and I wasn't there physically. I was there via Zoom. And um, uh, present at the Q&A, we had Osama Sami, who plays um, the uh, um, Balochi Camelier, Majid. And, um, and also... Um, uh, oh, God, now I've forgotten the name of uh, the moderator, um, uh, Waleed Ali's... Oh, Susan, <laughs> Susan Carland. Um, and uh, what was remarkable at the end was uh, a, a woman in a hijab stood up and, and just sort of... She'd said, I don't have any questions. I just want to talk about how much this film means to my, my family. Um, and she went on quite this, an amazing monologue, and I'm sitting, you know, back in Perth looking at a little laptop screen. This woman <laughs> is like... Um, just saying this incredibly moving stuff because on one side of her family she uh, was descendant of Balochi Camellia uh, from this time in history uh, who operated in Mount Magnet and on the other side of her family she was uh, Buddy Meyer and so it was just the most remarkable moment for the audience uh, who you know even at the end of the film might be a little bit dubious about is this real how come I've never heard of this before and, and then this woman stood up and, you know, it was kind of the best uh, form of, of evidence, of affirmation you could possibly ask for. Mm. And, and for um, Osama, who played this Balochi Camellia, I mean, yeah, mm, it was way. incredibly moving for, for him. So, um, you know, troll schmoles. <laughs> <laughs> well, the movie at the end sort of says, um, you know, they walk amongst them. Um, and it's true. I mean, mm. um, I think that lady 100%. Was, I can't remember her first name, but her surname is Rind or Rind. Yeah, and, um, Rind. It was yeah, and her family, Rind family. Part, an extended part of her family are actually in Perth as well. Some of my friends. Um, so it's, you know, there is a lot of truth in, the, yeah. in the, your, your we're, note to the end. As we've, as we've all yeah. said, we're not, we're not making this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've got my cue to sort of start wrapping this up, so I will. Um, but I, I want to just, um, you know, uh, invite a call to action from um, each of you um, in terms of, you know, what the one thing... Um, you want people who have now watched this movie and listened to, to you talk uh, tonight, w what's the one thing that you want um, someone to take away tonight and to do? Um, Haji, I might start with yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, real quick, I think um, there's a T-shirt at the back that I was looking at and it says something about belonging, right? Mm. Belonging is. Yeah, well, you might be wearing one, yeah. It says belonging is in a, in a, in a big space for you to fill it in. And uh, for me, this film makes me feel like I belong. And why does that mean so much to me? Um, it's because I've spent a childhood going, growing up in Australia, um, and unfortunately, many a time, being made to feel like I don't belong. Now, does that mean that we have to belong to a nation? I'm not saying that either, but it feels nice to belong whether it's part of your family or it's with brothers and sisters that are up on the stage or whatever clan it might be, it sucks to not belong. 
it's never a moment which goes by where I don't think about the worst moments in my life. And that was where those words hurt the most. And so my call to action is everybody in this room looking out there, I think, doesn't make people feel pretty bad. They don't do that. They don't do that. But we must get out there. We can never stop uh, stopping those words and the people who do push that uh, feeling of not belonging. And we must stop that. And, and so that's my call to action. Moving words, thanks, Haji. Yeah, I have to give you one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of our special t-shirts for that beautiful little speech. Oh, thank you. You always belong in this room with us. <laughs> thank, thank you, Adam. Yeah. Um, Rosie, what, what about you? Uh, I also like one of those shirts. <laughs> 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 I love free stuff. Um, I think, gee, I've had a lot of conversations about this recently. You know, I'm a woman of colour who grew up reasonably privileged, um, well, not... I mean, in the scheme of things, not really. I was a, you know, we were a single parent. We lived in homes, less housing. Um, but, you know, I'm articulate and I don't take any shit, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm here. And I have an incredible lot of privilege and things that enable me to do and advocate and articulate ideas and concepts and beliefs that many of the people that I work with, that I live with, that are my friends, don't have, be they Aboriginal, be they, you know, non-Aboriginal, whoever they are. And um, I think that everybody has a platform. Every single one of you people here tonight has a platform. And, you know, I have like an Instagram handle, like it's really lame, you know, but I, I have a few friends on there and the, the number of them who have engaged with me and asked me questions about things that I thought everyone just knew, um, you know, about culture, about language, about whatever, um, is really quite astounding. And I think that everybody here needs to be that person for their friends, you know. When I walked in here tonight, I sat down over here with my friends and I was looking in this cabinet here and those sticks that you can see there were actually taken from Mount Magnet in the 1890s. And I was like, spin out, right? I was like, mm, we're going to stay away from those. Um, you know, and I intend to take a photo of that and share that knowledge with my friends and like the, you know, the, the coincidence that I'm here talking about this with Roderick in this film and those six are right there and sharing that with those people and those friends and sharing that knowledge. You know, if you have learned something tonight from any of these panellists, from the film, you know, from each other, your job tonight is to go away and be that person who shares that information. I'm sorry I'm soapboxing, but, but I will soapbox as long as I, you know, I'm up here because if you aren't that person, then who? If not now, then when, you know? You, you have to not just take up space, but make space. That's it. Wise Sorry. words. Thank you, Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, your turn. Um, well, that's really good because uh, one of the things that I, uh, when Roderick approached me about the story of the film, is that if anything could come out of this film, it's, it's uh, a discussion, you know? So, I guess what I would say is have the conversation with family and friends, tell them about you know, the story, um, and it's, it, it's, it's good to let people know, like, I don't think you should underestimate the level of connections of friends that you have, because um, I think we're at a point now where we really have to focus on things that bind us rather than divide us. So if anything, um, yeah, having a discussion with family and friends and spreading the good word. 
Thank you, Gary. Oh, great. Your turn, Roderick. Well, look, I mean, we, we all did the, the best job we possibly could in, in uh, making this film and, and trying to represent all of these different religious, cultural and ethnic groups. Um, it's quite a, quite a big undertaking and I, I think we did an okay job, but mm. nonetheless, this film really does merely scratch the surface of uh, who the Cameliers were, how deep um, that, that relationship that they have with, with Aboriginal people you know, ran and still runs today. Um, and so if this film can, can do anything, it, it can be a catalyst for all of you to go on your, your own sort of journey of discovery about, about this history, find out more, you know, get Hanifa Dean's books and, and read them and, uh, and many other um, fantastic authors who, who, you know, you can get so much more out of than, than this film even um, as to who the Cameliers were and, and what their experience at a colonial frontier was like. Um, so uh, over, over to you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey. Talking about handing over, so I think uh, our time's up. So um, thank you for uh, listening, and um, I hope you enjoyed the movie. I think I've got to hand back to you, Adam. And, and thank you very much to the museum for having us. Really, really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>